Hey, thanks for joining Blue Collar Finance. We're going to start working our way through the SIE exam, then the Series 7, and the Series 66. Hopefully, I can do this every week, but who the hell knows, because I'm just a fucking flake. Everyone, enjoy this, and don't put it on speakers, because I might curse once in a while. Remember, this is not investment advice. If you really want investment advice, don't go to me. Find someone who knows what they're doing. And in this episode, we're going to go over the intro to regulations. Let's go. Hey guys, this is Ken Finnan at Capital Advantage Tutoring LLC. Threw an LLC in there this time. I'm here to help you get through the SIE exam, the Series 7 exam, and all that. The regulation. So let's talk about the different regulators. First of all, we have the government. We have the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. They are a federal government agency that is in charge of protecting the investors. Always remember, all these regulators are there to protect mom and pop, okay? So the SEC is the government. They're the top tier. Anything to do with any securities in the U.S., sold to U.S. residents, sold to U.S. citizens, is covered by the SEC, whether it's a security, a broker-dealer, an IA, an exchange. Anything to do with securities has to go through the SEC unless there's exemptions, which are written into some of the rules. So basically, the SEC has jurisdiction over all that stuff. They can come after you for civil actions. And if they if they think you did something criminal, they will bring in the Department of Enforcement, the Treasury. Okay. So now, the Federal Reserve Board, the, the Reserve, the Fed, they call it. Okay. So the Fed is not part of the government. It's a corrupt bank. Oh, sorry. It's a bank that basically just controls the money supply in the country. Any kind of money between the broker dealers and the customers, between banks to banks, are all covered by the Federal Reserve Board. So there, the point is, they're supposed to make sure that the banks stay stable and have money and all that. And they affect the money supply, so we, we've been using them for 100 years to kind of, 100 years? Yeah, I guess 100 years, to control the economy with monetary policy, which we'll get into later, tightening and loosening. FDIC, that is in case a bank fails, okay? So that's not for the broker-dealer. So if a bank fails, the FDIC, you'll see the little sticker next to the bank when you walk in. God forbid you walk into a bank anymore. But if you walk there, you'll see an FDIC sticker. That means if the bank goes bankrupt, they will cover you up to 250 per depositor, okay? Now, we also have SROs, which are not, they are under the Fed, so they're not, federal government, they're self-regulatory organizations, or they also call them DEAs, Designated Examining Authority. Not DEA, the Drug and Enforcement Agency, DEA, Designated Examining Authority. We have FINRA, which covers broker-dealers, agents, and exchanges. We have MSRB, which covers all the, which actually covers not the states issuing the bonds, it's the traders and the broker-dealers and the banks and the dealers selling municipal bonds, not the states, because the states are exempt. Then we have the Chicago Board Options Exchange that covers all of options and the exchanges. Okay, so they are there to protect, again, mom and pop. But remember, they are not part of the government. They are self-regulatory, and they are funded by either fines or member dues. Okay, if we're going to register in the various states, because remember, we have 50 states here, we call that blue skying the issue or state regulation. So the NAS, NA, 
NASAA, NASA. It's not NASA like the ships, but NASAA is all about regular. They wrote the rules, which is the exam you'll take after this, and then the seven or the six, and then the 63. The 63 is the state rules. That's where NASA comes in and they wrote the rules to give you a general template for all the rules in the various states. Because states have their own rules. They can make up, they have certain templates they follow, but they kind of have a lot of autonomy on which rules they can follow and go from there. Okay. Now, if we have rules set up, the SEC has certain rules, the broker, de- the uh, SRO, FINRA has certain rules, and then the broker-dealers, the member firms, can have rules on top of it. Like one of them is customers don't have to sign the new account form. Most broker-dealers make their customers sign the new account form. So that's where that is. So that's an in-house rule, a firm rule. Or let's say minimum maintenance on margin is 25%, according to the Fed. Well, a house, a firm might say we have to have 35 or 40%. They can do whatever they want. Now, I'm not going to go into why to take the SIE because you know why you're taking it because you want to be rich. Okay, let's talk about the various acts. First of all, the Act of 33, I've done that in one of my videos, but I'm going to do a little one. It's going to be covered more later, but the Securities Act of 33 is all about registering shares for the fir- when you're going to sell them to the public. You're registering non-exempt. So the Act of 33 refers to the primary markets when the, co- com- the government, not the government because they're exempt, not munis because they're exempt, corporations. So in corporations list non-exempt, want to issue shares or raise money, issue securities, bonds, they're going to use the Act of 33. The Act of 34 is everything after that. The trading, again, I have a video on that. You'll remember the acronym MISPERMS, manipulation, insiders, SEC, short selling, proxy, exchanges, reports, margin, and stabilization. Find my video on it. The whole point is all those, Act of 34 is about after it's issued, companies have to register, they have to report, and they have all the trading rules and manipulation. Okay, now... The Maloney Act, nobody cares about. It just allowed SROs to be there, like FINRA and stuff like that. Okay. The Investment Company Act of 1940, that covered mutual funds and annuities and face amount certificates and open and close-end funds, which mutual funds are part of. Again, that's a later chapter. Now, what I hate is that the Investment Company Act of 40 was written the same year as the Investment Advisors Act of 40. Little did they know, 100 years later, 80 years later, you'd have 22-year-olds confusing the two because they couldn't just wait a year to do it. But the Investment Company Act is about mutual funds. The Investment Advisors Act is about investment advisors, which we talked about before, which are firms that are giving advice on behalf of their, for their customers for free, for a fee, not for free, for a fee. Okay, SIPA, which is the Securities Investor Protection Act, really introduced SIPIC. Ah, SIPIC we know. SIPIC, S-I-P-C, Securities Investor Protection Corporation, is an insurance that insures each broker a brokerage account up to a maximum of 500000 of which no more than 250 will be covered in cash. So if you have a, if you have 500 grand in your account, they'll cover it. But if it's 300 in cash, They'll only cover 250 and then the rest in securities if they have them. There's a lot more on that on the top off, but SIPIC covers 500,000 max, of which 250 grand can be cash. This is if the broker dealer fails. But let's talk about this for a second. Say you 
and your lovely wife each have an account, or you and your lovely husband, whatever, each have an account, and you also have a joint account. They will cover it 500 each, not 1.5 total, 500 for each account, okay? If you have a cash and a margin account, they combine them as into one account, okay? So that's SIPC. ERISA is the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. That's basically before this, corporations could screw their employees over and go, hey, I know you worked here for 40 years, but here's a gold watch and sorry we blew your money. So ERISA kind of made sure that um, they put all retirement plans and they gave breaks to the corporations. So a qualified retirement plan like a 401k or a pension has certain rules they have to follow that are monitored by the IRS and the Department of Labor to make sure that they're not screwing them over. Okay. Insider Trading Act, it's FIA, they call it, Insider Trading Securities Fraud Enforcement Act of 88. That just basically said that they expanded the level of insider trading. Like it used to be, if you if I told you information and then you acted on it, well, you got in trouble. Now everyone in the whole pipeline gets trouble. They have tippers and tippies. They all are held liable for violations. Okay. Now, um, the Penny Stock Reform Act of 1990, they put a lot of rules on there. Now, what's a penny stock? A penny stock is a stock that is $5 or less and not, sorry, less than $5. I apologize. That could be a thing. Under $5 and not on an exchange. So it has to be trading over the counter. So Citigroup, when it was trading at $4 a share, was not a penny stock because it was on the exchange. So penny stock is under $5 and over-the-counter and not on an exchange. So they have a lot of rules on that. They have to have a signed disclosure document and signed suitability. There's a lot of stuff which we'll get to. The the Federal Telephone Consumer Protection Act of 1991, that really just made up like a do not call list. So if you call someone and they say, don't call me, you have to put them on the do not call list. They also have a national do not call list, which is untouchable. But here's the key. You can only make calls between 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. in the called parties zone. So if I'm in California, I can call between 8 a.m. and 9 p.m. in in Jersey, if they're calling in Jersey, in that person's time. Okay. So then we have the controversial Patriot Act, which basically was all about money laundering laundering and terrorist financing. So basically, you're going to have to understand that the BSA and the Patriot Act kind of work together to fight terrorism and all that other stuff, okay? FINRA is the self-regulatory organization that you're dealing with. That's who's gonna make, who will let you take the SIE and then the six or the seven top off. If you're gonna work for a broker dealer, FINRA is your friend, I'd say. So there's a couple things. So there's really four parts. There's the conduct rules, which is basically the, the rules, the conduct between the customer and the institutions. That's the conduct rules. UPC, Uniform Practice Code, that's basically the settlement and trading and all that between broker-dealers or or member firms. Remember, when they say member firm, they're talking about broker-dealers, okay? So UPC covers trading and settlement and all that between the different broker-dealers. Then we have Code of Procedure. Ah, think about this, COP. COP, Code of Procedure. When you do something wrong, who comes after you? A cop. So code of procedures are for when you make violations, when you violate stuff. Then we have the code of arbitration. Code of arbitration is if you sign the arbitration agreement, you're bound by it. But if you don't, you don't have to do this. Arbitration is non-court. It's 
Basically, if we have a dispute between either a member and a member firm or a customer and a rep or a customer and a firm, if they've signed the arbitration agreement, it's supposed to be cheaper and quicker than court, you would go to arbitration. But the problem with arbitration is that once they make a statement and they make a finding, it is non-appealable. You can't, it's binding and not appealable. Okay. MSRB covers all municipal securities, 529s, GOs, revenues, and all that. But they don't regulate the actual GOs and revenues. They regulate the banks and the broker dealers and the other kind of dealers that are trading them or bringing the help underwriting them to bring them public. The CBOE, the Chicago Board of Options Exchange, is all about options. It, it's basically, it's clearing and making, clearing, I shouldn't say clearing. It is actually regulating all the options and stuff like that, the contracts, okay. Now, we have a lot of rules. So FINRA doesn't cover everything. So each firm has their own sort of written rules under what they call the written supervisory procedures. When you start working for a firm, you should be getting that. That should be coming to you at some point and you can review it. Nobody does, but you can. It's a big document that lists how we control, how we supervise, all that, and we have to follow those rules. Usually it's a little more detailed than FINRA or the SEC will, will do. Okay.